Welcome to The Hold Room with ACC, a quick update on all things relating to airport development as well as the Airport Consultants Council. This episode is part of a new passenger experience series hosted by ACC's Terminal and Facilities Committee. In this series, we are collecting the experiences and perspectives of different types of users of the airport passenger terminal including business travelers, leisure travelers, airport executives, airport, airline, TSA, and concession staff, and airport consultant staff, to name a few. For more information on this series and the hosts, go back and give the first episode a listen to. Laura and Delia are joined in the hold room this week by Alan Howell. Listen to what Alan has to say as an architect regarding traveling during the pandemic and what the new passenger experience can look like. Hello, Alan, welcome to our podcast. Thank you, glad to be here. So tell us and the listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do on a day-to-day basis. I'm Senior Airport Architect at MSP for Metropolitan Airports Commission, which means I get to be responsible for large-scale projects, remodels, new buildings, rehabs, renovations. I get to speak with folks about exposed concrete and how we should be using exposed concrete everywhere. So from that standpoint, we get to run the gamut of projects from things which don't seem glamorous, like roof repairs, all the way through expansions to terminals and full remodels of existing terminal facilities. Very nice. Thank you. How has the pandemic affected you professionally and or personally? Professionally is very interesting. We were lucky enough that the federal government decided to support airports and support our tenants as well with bailout monies. Otherwise, we went from making what I would say a tremendous amount of money on a weekly basis to making virtually nothing. As many airports think of themselves as businesses, that was extremely shocking. If we thought of ourselves as a utility, it might have been less shocking, but it's rare that we think of ourselves that way because Metropolitan Airports Commission is a public-private entity, which means we're self-funded. We receive federal monies and grants just as other airports do for runways and other work, but otherwise all of our revenue is self-generated. So we're not depending on the taxpayers within the state of Minnesota or the nine county metro area for any support. So I think it was very shocking to go from earning a tremendous amount of money to not earning a lot. Yet we still had millions and millions of dollars worth of construction and design programs underway that had been in some instances going on for six years and still have five years left. We felt we might be able to accelerate some projects because there's so few people in the buildings Not really possible because there are no funds available, because of material shortages, because of labor shortages, because of new working conditions for construction workers, as well as not being able to meet uh, with our design teams in person. So we went from being able to talk about design concepts, being able to pass a sketch across the table from each other, being able to really interact to doing this. It's very different and difficult sometimes to convey design ideas without being in the same room and seeing facial cues and being able to really from a human experience interact in a way that we're used to. This works. And I think after 9-11, we talked about virtual work environments and we talked about the end of business travel. And after the 2008 recession, we talked about the end of business travel and we talked about virtual meetings 
And none of that ever came to pass permanently for most of us. And it feels as if this may be more of a new normal than it was previously. So we've set up processes that while we're going back fully in person in September this year, we will have virtual components to all of our meetings, which means many of our people may show up this way and we'll still have to work through how do we communicate with each other when we're not face to face. So it's going to be a very interesting opportunity for us. For those of us who like technology, I think it may be great. You know, are we going to be talking about virtual design and three dimensions? Are we going to be talking about more walkthroughs and more SketchUp models that are interactive? Or are we all too old school that we actually need to be sitting around with pens and papers with each other? I think we have a lot of challenges ahead of us still professionally to really be able to move forward and be efficient with our time, but also communicate as efficiently as we can in a way that's understandable. So, Alan, what types of projects are you guys working on at MSP right now? Our projects range from maintenance and operations focused projects to very much front of the house guest focused projects. I know some team members are working on a new roof for our main terminal complex. Those rehab projects are extremely important overall, both to reduce energy costs, but also maintain the facility for the next 50 years because we won't be building a new terminal complex for that period of time. We also have an overall Terminal 1 arrivals and departures rehabilitation that really changes the guest experience at the terminal from what worked well, most likely in 1962, to what works better in 2021. That rethinking of the guest experience for us is interesting because we've been talking about hospitality-based design for quite some time, because that guest experience is very different than, say, a bus station might have been in the 1960s or 1950s. Today, we have kind of the gamut of different types of air travel, which is very low cost and then some very high end. In some instances, as we look at the traveler types, you might be extremely experienced and interested in a very hands-off experience. In others, you might be new to the position and very interested in being treated and pampered as one might expect first-class passengers to be treated and pampered. So we have projects that are trying to make certain that we express that passenger type and the experience that they're after, while still looking at full reuse of the existing building, minimal expansion, build what's necessary, use materials that are very durable, cleanable, that express a sense of place very well, and also kind of meet the expectations for all guests. So from a universal design standpoint, look at restrooms that accommodate all people's needs, whether that's adult changing tables, lactation rooms, nursing mother's rooms, something like 55% of our passengers are female and a percentage of them are going to be new mothers of some sort within one to five years. So whether it's a nursing mother's room because we don't feel comfortable necessarily nursing in public in a gate lobby and one should never make lunch in a bathroom, because mm -hmm. no one ever makes a peanut mm -hmm. butter sandwich in a public restroom. These mm -hmm. things are really important for us. We're looking at service animal relief rooms, restrooms that are easily used and maneuvered through with carry-on bags, folks in wheelchairs, folks on crutches, you know, whatever it might be, really looking at all of those aspects of design to make certain that we're accommodating the passengers. So those are some interesting things as we move forward and look at consolidation and efficiency of our facilities. Thank you for that analogy. I'm a mom of two young children. And as that process went on, it was exciting to see 
those nursing pumping rooms pop up at airports, even just the inbuilt things. That analogy of you would never make a sandwich in a bathroom Mm -hmm. is such a great way to Mm -hmm. explain to people why you need a separate room and why a bathroom Mm -hmm. is not appropriate for that. So I appreciate that very much. So Alan, in your role, what improvements do you think really make the biggest impact to improving that guest experience? Or as an add-on or follow-up, you know, if there are any that you think are forthcoming? For me, the idea of improved indoor air quality, which is really one of the things that I think is going to help us longer term, has been something we've been talking about and trying to implement in a different way over the last at least 12 years with our restroom program that we've also implemented with our front of house work and our new food court that opened up at the end of 2019. With that, what we've tried for for improved indoor air quality is obviously trying to remove as many VOCs as possible, trying to remove surfaces which are difficult to clean like carpets and going to harder surfaces like tile or terrazzo wherever possible, understanding the difficulties and some of the inconveniences of harder surfaces everywhere, but then also using displacement ventilation for most of our spaces that we're able to replace air handling systems with we're replacing systems that are 58 years old with brand new and using displacement ventilation and computational fluid dynamics modeling to actually understand how the airflow works in spaces like our restrooms. So back in 2009, when we started developing our restroom prototypes, part of what we were looking at is what's causing some of the guest services issues that we have with our restrooms. They smell, they may not look clean, et cetera, et cetera. So from a guest services standpoint, we looked at trying to introduce air low across the floor, ramp up the air volume during occupation, bring it down to code level minimums when it's not being used. And then while it's being cleaned, ramp those air levels up even higher so that we can dry the floor more quickly and open it more quickly as well. We looked at computational fluid dynamics a study of what we'd actually done with the original prototype during the early stages of the pandemic and found that indeed the way we had designed it, air coming across the floor, going through the stall, and then being exhausted directly above the stall really did work. And we knew that that improved indoor air quality was benefiting folks not just during the pandemic, but prior to the pandemic. Because when we have a smell, a smell is particulate. And what could be worse in a restroom than the smell of your neighbor? As terrible and gross as that all is, we really knew that we were doing the right thing. And we'd done the same thing with our food court, that we had displacement ventilation that allowed the users of the food court to take the pool of air and heat it up themselves, which then didn't share air between us and also didn't mix dirty air up at the ceiling level and try and drop down your fresh air supply to where I needed to breathe. We have the same thing happening in our arrivals hall using the carousel as our distribution system for air, and then the return system back through the carousel up high, which should allow for passengers that may not have been on the same flight or were on the same flight to, again, not be sharing air in a space that we're trying to welcome you to Minnesota. So from a guest standpoint, our focus on indoor air quality long-term, still a major issue that we're going to be looking at. Cleanable surfaces always, surfaces that don't necessarily harbor anything are going to be extremely important. And I think as folks think about their physical well-being, I think folks will come to appreciate more of those surfaces and more of those spaces, especially if airports talk about their successes in trying to look at indoor air quality and cleanliness as a high priority. So if money wasn't an issue and you could make one suggestion for improving the passenger experience, what would it be? We have a really great opportunity here being a very large hub for Delta. 
40 to 45% of traffic is connecting, that never leaves the airport, that their sense of Minnesota is walking from one gate to another. I think we have an excellent start on a very powerful art program and a very great understanding of what facilities might be end of life and could be replaced that will allow us to represent Minnesota, not just by a color palette or by some soft materials, but by engaging the connecting passenger with a sense of the culture of Minnesota, a sense of the environment of Minnesota, by being able to showcase both local artists as well as national artists, both in terms of built works and in terms of rotating exhibits. We have an employee art exhibit that happens every year from end of November through end of May that allows fabulous artists to enter works that the employees are proud of to be able to show to the connecting passenger or the OMD passenger that indeed Minnesota is a place where thoughtful, caring, interested people can express this space that we all share. So I'd say continue to have momentum with our art program is one great opportunity to be able to do more than just provide additional high quality Wi-Fi or cart service from one gate to another or really great concessions programs behind security that represent both regional cuisine and national brands that folks can know and be able to choose. From my standpoint, the customers already paid to get into the space, so let's help them out with being able to provide them with a sense of the place a little bit different than what you might get at other airports. I know I've always loved airports that provide that sense of place, but one of the things that I've always been interested in with the art program at airports is I always thought it might be cool to have like a pop-up event where if there was a concession space or empty space in the terminal, feature the artists and have maybe like an interactive walkthrough experience to be able to see the artists and, and that community. But I've never known like whether or not that would be a good idea or if passengers really respond to it. What is your take on that? I, th- I think that's an interesting idea. The key for us with a lot of art exhibits is how do we make it a destination for folks? How do we ask the guest to take additional time out of their schedule to go to this experience that they may not have been aware of until they arrived and then all of a sudden had an opportunity. We have a short film and performance space down on Sea Concourse at C18. And it's a space that is more like that because it's a destination. Right now we're showing eight and a half hours of short films. So if you had a 45-minute layover, two-hour layover, or you showed up two hours early, you could go into the space and you could certainly experience quite a few films without seeing the repeats. But from that standpoint, that idea of how do you create a destination, how do you create buzz around it, what's your partnership, how do you ask folks for the additional time, it's all really important. And part of it is probably who is the guest and what are we trying to accomplish with that guest? We like to look at average per passenger spend in a lot of things. We like to look at average dwell time for passengers, but we don't necessarily know the exactitudes of each passenger. And so the opportunity that we're trying to provide with an art program is sometimes about chance. And that idea of chance is hard to plan for when everyone's time is so valuable. 
And so while we've looked at several destination locations, we've also looked at trying to make certain that we spread those opportunities for artists as well as for the guest to be able to experience haphazardly or by choice art as an expression of the culture in the region. And so I think it's a great idea. The thing that we do know with regards to our concession program is if a space is going empty, they'll want to lease it out immediately. And so I like that concept of how do you get a changeable space? How do you create those opportunities? And I'm not certain, but I think at least with our art program, as much as we're able to have rotating exhibits and partnerships with organizations and our short film space and our music performances within the main mall, as well as at C18, they were trying to do some of those things, knowing that not everybody's going to be able to have the amount of time to get to a destination. I have to agree, like unique experiences at airports and having airports where you see what makes the area unique, showcasing the differences and the art. That's wonderful, especially because it helps people stay at ease, will be more comfortable. And that's all part of the memory that we have of flying through certain airports. So that sounds like you're really on a great track with the art, the music, the short films. So taking all of that into consideration and what we don't see as a passenger, so behind the scenes, what does a positive passenger experience mean to you? Some of the things that we're trying to accomplish with our design facilities, technologies, and with our staff is really to de-stress the passenger wherever possible. There's a snowstorm on the East Coast that's shutting down airports, or there's lightning in Chicago that's stopping O'Hare from operating and just ruining all of your plans. If we can de-stress you and provide you with the best possible experience, even though you're not going where you want to go or not going there in the timely manner that you had planned, those are big, important things for us. We want to provide you and empower you with as much information as possible so that they're in as much control of this uncontrolled travel experience as possible. We want to provide tools for the guest to be able to easily find their way throughout the airport with great wayfinding, with digital wayfinding that helps out when we have an escalator down by using digital signage, by using that same signage to empower the passenger to be able to choose, I'll go to the terminal or I'll go to our Skyway security checkpoint because it's open and there's no wait time there. So I think leveraging the technology and the staff to be able to do that long-term for the guest is really going to improve the de-stressing that we've tried to do with a lot of our physical improvements to the facilities. Well, thank you so much for adding to all of the great ideas. All of these podcasts, episodes that we're doing, we're interviewing a diverse number of people within the industry. I think through the collective effort, we'll be able to learn so much about the airports and how people use it. Thank you so much for hanging out with us in the hold room. Thanks for joining us in the hold room for this special podcast series exploring the new passenger experience. You can find more from this series on the ACC Training Hub. That's training.acconline.org backslash the-hold-room or wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. Follow us for more content from the Airport Consultants Council. You can support this podcast by leaving a rating or review and by telling your friends and colleagues about the podcast. Thanks again.